Hello, and what is up, everyone? Welcome to the MJ Sportscast, Episode 1, Season 1. My name is Mike Tang, joined by my co-host, Jerry Yang. What's going on, everyone? (laughs) Ready to talk sports. (laughs) So our podcast, um, for our listeners out there, will feature some of the hot topics in the Bay Area sports landscape today, news about the general sports world, and we will conclude... Um, this episode with some of the hot NFL picks that we have picked um, with the spread here. So let's um, kind of talk about some of our hot topics for, to, for today. And uh, I kind of want to go deeply into um, COVID-19 and some of that, some of how COVID has impacted sports and primarily the NFL. Um, Jerry, what would you say is your opinion about how COVID has impacted maybe the NFL the past couple of weeks um, there? And I see that there's also been some teams that have been delayed in terms of playing their games. Um, how, how do you feel about, about that topic? So, yeah, I think overall, um, I'm really excited that we actually had four weeks of NFL football, right? Mm-hmm. And, thought this would happen we thought sports is done the world is ending and we all know what's going to happen after for this year but now we're four weeks in and no surprise there are some cases of covid right but overall i think the nfl's handling it pretty well um i think postponing the game was a good first step but overall you're you can only postpone so many games before you have to make a tough decision of either canceling the game or going with replacement players. And there has to be consequences for teams that are not following protocol. Um, I, it's just becoming a trend, right? Like the Titans game just got, um, is potentially going to be forfeited. And mm-hmm. that's that's just going to be the case for most teams if they don't take the necessary safety protocols and be responsible. Yeah, and just to add to that, I find that, um, a lot of teams, uh, it's very difficult for them to sign outsiders since, you know, there's a lot of injuries that have been piling up um, throughout the first four weeks of this season that teams do have to, you know, sign outside free agents um, out there. And it, it takes them a little bit, a, a little bit longer for them to be signed just because of the advanced COVID protocols that are in yeah, place. And I think overall, I know the NFL added two more roster spots. We and it's like fifty six, I think, roster spots instead of fifty four. Right. In my opinion, it should be seventy with more practice players, and in case it happens, time to add those players in, right, and swap them out. And obviously, there's going to be certain players that are going to be more detrimental to the team when we get to swap them out. And we saw that with Cam Newton in New England and being out of Monday Night Football. But that's the consequences they have to live with, and if that doesn't get the message through that your superstars need to stay safe and be responsible. And the organization is responsible for that. And as we right. approach the end of the season, I know we're not even halfway yet, but thinking about like playoffs and overall, I, I just can't imagine Anthem not going to, to like a bubble system, like what the NBA did, right. Especially right. when you're narrowing down to, you know, just the playoff teams, you can easily create two bubbles, like a West conference, an NFC, or yeah, NFC and then the AFC conference bubbles. 
And then finally for the Super Bowl, two weeks, that's definitely going to be a big bubble there. Right. And the teams teams want to practice with each other anyways for the playoffs. And it, it's going to be more of a camp environment. And I think the only uh, reason they might not do that is because of the players' union. But mm-hmm. if we think about it, it's the safety of the players that we're looking at and why we're doing that. Right. So. Yeah, I agree there. And I think it'll, be, it'll make it easier to be in a bubble if there's maybe like um, if there's the playoff in place and that, you know, there's already some set teams that are going to play um, at the end of the season, kind of like what the um, what MLB is doing with um, with a lot of with a lot of the playoff teams in the NLDS in which they just play mm-hmm. one stadium throughout the five game series um, here. And they just kind of, you know, swap home and away teams. Um, right there so i think i think you know just getting through these first what 16 17 games is um is going to be a huge barrier for the nfl uh moving forward but i think like also as time progresses um you know teams and players they're just going to do a little bit better job of protecting themselves and being safe yeah i think they have a lot of testing in place and a lot of protocols i was watching hard knocks and Mm. all the protocols they put in place with rapid testing and with um you know social distancing wearing masks for all the staff all the people and when they're not actually playing you see the coaches wearing masks and players on the sidelines wearing masks so i think all that stuff helps right yeah. like even if even if it's just short term or a certain percentage that helps i think it's better than nothing right yeah. <laughs> so um, so I think they're doing a good job overall. I think if only a couple handful of teams are getting the cases, that's when you know, right? It's working. So. Yep, I uh, I completely agree with you there. Um, uh, let's talk about the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. Oh, our uh, favorite yeah. team. So, <laughs> the the Oakland, so the Oakland A's they um, they advanced past the White Sox um, last week, being Chicago um, two to one in a best of three. With the talent that the A's have, is this enough for Billy Bean and David Frost right now? Um, at this moment, they're losing to the to the Astros um, on the brink of elimination. I believe the score was like eight to four. The last time I checked today, um, do you think they're underachieving? You know, for the talent that they have. Absolutely, like hundred percent. This is a trend with Billy Bean. It's always been this way. They have a problem advancing to the second round because the team's just not quit for the playoffs. I don't think Moneyball is working when it comes to playoff time. The talent pool outweighs them. Um, they're lucky this year to get past because they're not in the wild card um, slot where it's a one-game playoff. It was one game they would have been eliminated. And right. they just got really lucky there. And now they are facing the Astros who have always given them problems. So it's not a surprise if they get eliminated from this round. And the A's fans should really be upset by this, right? I don't think it's acceptable. I think it's great you're in the playoffs, but there's only so many times you can say playoffs and pass the first round is your goal. I think the goal should be the World Series, at least being in the picture. I think it's been so long since that's happened for the A's. And with the talent they have, with the pitching staff, the bullpen that's lights out, with um, the lights out hitting that they have, there's no excuses for them not to get there. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think some Ace fans they will um they will give the Ace some excuse that uh, Matt Cha- you know Matt Chaplin 
their star third baseman is um, unavailable due to injury. And right now, I think late, their late inning, their late inning hitting is a consistent problem for the A's in the postseason um, here. And the only player that is really contributing, like power wise, I would say, is Chris Davis. Chris Davis has about three home runs um, in this series. Everyone else has zero or one home run. So that's, I don't think that's really going to um, kind of cut it to make it past the ALDS. And another issue that the A's have is that, you know, during a regular season, uh, they're able to, you know, escalate the opposing pitcher's pitch count there and get into their opposing pitcher's bullpen and take advantage from there. It's great versus, you know, regular teams and teams that are just um, kind of cruising. However, when, when you face playoff bullpens who are exponentially better than the regular season ones, you're going you're gonna to hit a wall. And I think that's what the A's are facing at this point. Totally agree with you. Yeah, they were, and I'm surprised about the A's bullpen too, because the A's bullpen mm-hmm. has always been lights out throughout the whole season, and then seemingly they're just giving up runs after runs. I don't know if it's a ballpark or if it's just mm-hmm. playoff nerves, but the inexperience in the bullpen is definitely showing at this point. Um, yeah. And last I checked the score right now, it's 40-11, and most of the runs came after the fifth inning. So yeah. it's definitely concerning for ace fans at this point all right i want to also talk about um head coach bill o'brien from the houston texans um was recently let go and fired um this week here um i think it's been well documented um what bill o'brien has done to this franchise in terms of trading away multiple draft picks, especially first and second rounders, uh, trading away a top three wide receiver, in my opinion, and DeAndre um, Hopkins. Um, Who do you think is next in terms of, you know, who's getting fired out there? Um, Are a lot of coaches at risk in the NFL? Let let me first touch upon Bill O'Brien. I think First of all, getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins was bad, and I understand that. Right. I understand the move, but getting David Johnson and absorbing that contract and all the tr- um, draft picks that he gave up, w- w- not just in that trade, but in general, that's just mm-hmm. banking on on the current, and now they're not performing, and they have no draft picks to fall back on. So I think that the ownership and Bill O'Brien didn't do the Texans favors, but at the same time, I don't agree with this fire right now. You've already committed to Bill O'Brien for the season. Mm. He's already banked on trying to win it all this season by trading, making all those moves. Might as well commit for the rest of this season and fire him at the end of it. You think Mar- uh, Carmel, I think that's the backup of uh, the he- new head coach now, right. Romeo Carmel, you think he's going to be better than Bill O'Brien at this point? I don't think so. I, I, I can't, it's hard for me to see that. So yeah, I, I think this is, it's a question of move from the Texans for sure. I would, I would have kept him. You don't have draft picks anyway, so you're not going to get a higher pick. So what's, why, why would you make this move now? It just seems really curious to me. And then moving on to other head coaches. Why is Dan Quinn mm-hmm. still employed? two major losses to the Cowboys and to the Bears. Those are huge 
leads that he gave up. Obviously, he cannot close a game. And then most of it, I don't think it's on his players. I think he should have ran the ball more, milk a little bit more clock. And it's just shocking to me that he's so employed when Bill O'Brien yeah, isn't. You know, it could be many factors that can come into play here. I think uh, for the Texans example, um, I think they have um, been publicly um, they have been publicly chosen because you know all their all their mishaps are well documented. They lose all these first and second round picks. Everyone is calling them out publicly and on social media. So someone has to be the fallout guy um, there. And f- unfortunately for Bill O'Brien, he had to be the fallout guy for the franchise. Um, in terms of who's next, I you know Dan Quinn. I think he's done an okay job to be honest with you. Um, to be, if we're going to pinpoint on, you know, who to blame, you know, we could, you, you can always say, okay, maybe their defense gave up all those points to the Cowboys at the end of the f- fourth quarter and maybe the, the, the week after, you know? So I think like with Quinn, maybe we can give him a chance and see what else he can do the rest mm-hmm. of the season. Um, there, I think there's other coaches that are far worse than him. I can pinpoint maybe the 0-4 Jets with Adam Gase. Yep, you know? Adam Gase. Um, yep. <laughs> and I think, like, his best case of keeping his job was actually Sam Darnold. But unfortunately, he got hurt last week. So he has to start Flacco this yep. week versus Cardinals at MetLife. And, um, and I, you know, with Flacco, I think, is, I think he's kind of over the hill a, a bit um, there. He hasn't really been a QB one or a QB two, or maybe even a QB three for for several years now, and I I just don't see a lot of improvements from the Jets moving forward um, here. Yeah, I I think overall though they just got lucky because Flacco they didn't really pay him a lot. I think it was like a one point five million dollar one year deal. So at least they have someone who's been there who has an experience. Um, hopefully Sam Darnold mm-hmm. comes back for them. But at that point, I don't know how much of an improvement at this point for them. They're only four. Their schedule doesn't get easier. Um, it's it's not looking good for Jet fans. I I feel for them. And I think Adam Gase, yeah, I agree with you. I think Adam Gase before Dan Quinn's probably, probably right. Um, mainly, I think the Falcons do have the great talent on offense and like you said defense is right. probably where they struggle but looking at the Jets offense and the Jets defense um, there's not a lot of bright spots there you have Frank Gore mm-hmm. starting out running back um, your right receivers are Crowder who, who's been hurt and like you said Sam Darnold's hurt now too so the, obviously there's probably some offensive line issues if that's happening and then on the defensive side, I don't, I don't know if I can name any real superstars yeah. on that side. Right? So I think all the moves are just adding up, and 0-4 is probably expected at this Yeah, point. I mean, with that team, we can maybe expect three wins at most this season, maybe four if they get lucky um, there. So Gase has um, definitely an uphill battle. And another coach I think is um, on the hot seat is Matt Patricia from the Lions. You know, they took him away from the New England Patriots mm-hmm. coaching staff. He was, he started his first season six and twelve, and now he's and then he, and then the next season after that he was three and twelve and one. 
there. So he hasn't really produced um, record-wise there. So I think he is definitely on the hot seat as well. Where do you think it is for the Lions? Is it on the offensive side or you can defensive side? They do have some talent right. on the offensive side, but clearly they're underperforming a little bit. But I'm looking at the scores. They're scoring. I don't think they have a game that's under 20 mm-hmm. points this season. So probably would lean towards a defense if that's the case. I mean, they gave 42 up to the Packers and 35 last yeah, week. Yeah, those, those are huge numbers to give home. up. And I think with the Lions MO, for, for decades is their defense um, there. They haven't really been able to compile a top a top five or even top 10 defensive unit. Um, they're doing okay offensively with Stafford and some of their offensive pieces that they've uh, that they put that they put around him. But I think defensively is what's holding the lines back. So when do you think they would let him go? So looking at the schedule right now, they have the Jags this week, they have Falcons next week, and the Colts right after that, then the Vikings, and then Washington. So next five games, right. to me, is winnable. You know, the NFL is a very but... volatile business. Um, there, you can, you know, win the next three and you're safe, or you can lose the next two or three and you're not safe. So it really depends game to game how it is, or they could just wait until the end of the season to um to fire their coach it really depends on who's who's in charge and and uh, who's kind of demanding the orders from above mm-hmm. okay Please. uh let's talk about um some uh bay area football um here the 49ers yeah um, <laughs> i think they're hosting the miami dolphins this week right jerry okay Correct. so yeah, let's they're kind of talk about um the niners and and how they can bounce back um, from their Sunday night loss to the Philadelphia Eagles um, here. You know, from from the re- from some of the um, replays that I've seen, um, the Dolph- you know, the, I don't think the Dolphins' defensive line is, is as strong as the Eagles were. I think the offensive line for the Niners um, was definitely um, at a disadvantage throughout points of the game um, there. And in terms of their defense – you know, um, can they add another pass rusher? Is is Clay Matthews an option? And we're also seeing that Richard Sherman, um, he's go- he's probably not going to be back this week, and he probably won't be back until week six. Um, here, and then lastly about that defensive line, um, you know they've been battling, and they only gave up eighteen points last game, so. I think for the 49ers to even have a chance, they're going to have to reflect offensively and start putting it up at least over 25, 30 points a game. Yeah, I agree. And there's a lot more besides Sherman. You also have Mosley and Jimmy mm-hmm. Ward. That's hurt. So, so definitely suffering on defense. I think for the 49ers this year, the, the offense has to carry the team. And the good news is that we saw Jimmy G and most are practicing yesterday. I think that's a good sign for the team. And I think they should play if they can. We need the warm up game with the Dolphins before we head into this rough patch schedule. So they have the Rams after that. They have the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Saints. That is going to be a really rough stretch, and we need our best offense out there. And 
if Sherman's not ready, I don't think we should rush him out there. He becomes like a liability at that point. And if he gets injured for the rest of the season, it's it's not going to be good. So I would say rest Sherman as long as you can and hope for the best for the team, the team that we have out there from defense. And I agree with you on the defensive line that they're – Definitely struggling. Um, losing Bosa is just going to be detrimental to the team. We already knew that. Getting another pass rusher, I I don't know, right? Like, how many pass rushers did we add in there? And with the COVID protocols, it's going to take a while. And it's 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 going to be what we have for now. And hope for guys like uh, Greenlaw to come back and and see how it goes. Um, as far as the offensive side of the ball, I'm just surprised by the offensive line, and mainly around Trent Williams. Um, I think he looked really good in the first three games, and obviously the last game he struggled a lot. And will St- would Staley have done better? That's TBD, right? We don't know at this point, and we won't know. But um, hopefully after looking at the film and seeing what – what his um, areas he improve and working with Kyle, they can patch up those areas. And I think that's going to be the key for us is keeping that offense healthy, keeping um, Jimmy G healthy. And hopefully we'll have, you know, on the running back side with McKinnon and with Mostert um, coming back and Jeff Wilson, the third pocket, it'll be great. And then hopefully we get Tevin Coleman back at some point and, I think that takes a lot of pressure off of um, the quarterback and the right receivers. We have a really solid running back base. Um, so what do you, you think? Know, offensively, I think we're going to be okay at the end of the day um, there. I think we expect maybe Moster to at least come out and try to play um, in week six, in week six, possibly. I'm not sure if he's going to play week five against the Dolphins. Uh, Kittle came back with a vengeance. I believe he had like a 15 catch, about 180 yard performance versus Philly. Um, then we saw some pretty promising um, talent from the wide receiver, um, from the wide receiver court with uh, Ayuk and Debo Samuel. But honestly, I think the wide receivers are kind of thin, to be honest with you. We're getting really no production from Trent Taylor and Dante Pettis this season. So when you, when it comes down to it, it's kind of similar to last year where it's basically George Kittle and Debo Samuel on, in the passing game and barely anybody else. And that's kind of what it comes down to this year when it's um, Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo Samuel moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Bourne is also contributing right. a little bit there, but I agree with you. I think there is a little bit of a drop-off with him as well. and. I think losing uh, E. Sanders is probably a big loss there. And it's definitely hard to replace that guy, right? There's a big veteran presence and and moves everybody uh, up the depth chart and makes your team a little bit less, um, less deep at that point. So, but I think we'll be fine. Like you said, I think Kittle is still a stud and Debo coming back definitely adds that Mm -hmm. extra dimension. Um, and hopefully we get Jordan Reed back at some point, and that that'll tighten those um, two tight end sets a little bit more, and gives Kyle a little bit more options. Um, but yeah, I think we're definitely going to lean on the offense a lot more. Uh, last season, I think the defense was the highlight, and we leaned on the defense a lot. But this year, make or break, it's going to be the offense at this point. All right, I I agree with you there. Um, let's talk about the NBA uh, Lakers Heat finals. The Lakers, they're up 3-1 to one in this series. 
Um, they look to close out this Friday, Game 5. NBA ratings, they have dropped significantly this year. 70%, I believe. What is your theory behind the the ratings dropping, even though everyone, even though a lot of people are staying at home to watch these games. Yeah, I think there's a couple factors that play into this, and 70% since a lot since two years ago, um, the ratings mm-hmm. have dropped, and then they had less than six million for Game Three, which is yeah. all time low. Um, I think a couple of things. I think the main reason is also because there's other sports mm-hmm. they're competing with now, uh, with NFL there and with MLB in um, playoff mode, um, there's definitely drawing some interest away, right? Like people have other options, they have um, less conflicts to go there. And then also, I think um, just not having the competition there. Like Lakers just seem like a really bright team. And we thought the Clippers might be um, a rating draw if they were playing the Lakers in the finals, but that never came to be. And then with the East, there's just wasn't a team that's dominant. We thought the Bucks was going to be there or maybe Boston could compete. But with the Heat, I don't think people are that interested. Uh, I know there are, they are a pretty big marquee team, but when you compare to those other two teams who have more stars, um, I think the expectation there was going to be um, Giannis versus Co- or LeBron, right? So it's, um, it's definitely taking a hit there, I think, from the talent pool side. And I think um, the whole Black Lives Matters thing, I think, also plays a little bit into it. I think with the walkout, there's certain fan bases that probably got turned off of having the politics in their face and not being able to turn off the politics stuff and turn on a sport to get away from that if um, the NBA has that bright and center. I mean, all their jerseys have a lot of you know, slogans and everything that supports it. And don't get me wrong, I support Black Lives Matter. I'm really you know, supportive of all the movements and all that stuff. But I think it can be a little bit distracting. And then with that distraction, you're distracting a little bit from the sport. And that, that that's hurt a certain viewers, I think. Um, and, and yeah, there's definitely an impact there. And I hope the NBA will, will get it together and be able to um, make certain changes for next season, um, whether or not to balance the teams a little bit more or um, just – um, having like teams like the Warriors come back will be great, but just improving on the East somehow, right? Like I think the owners there definitely need to step it up a little bit and sign a little bit more marquee teams and, you know, prevent, and the league itself should prevent a lot more of these like blockbuster trades where teams are too stacked and, and uh, X's out all the other smaller market teams. Yeah, you know, you I think, agree uh, with all the points that you made there. I believe it's definitely a matchup issue uh, with the Lakers' heat, and you make some pretty good points about the um, about the Black Lives Matters movement as well. Um, I didn't think about how that can impact um, viewership there in ratings, uh, but I think you know ratings have been declining, you know, slowly this season, and and this was even before you know the pandemic started. And people were saying how the Warrior Super Teams were bad for the NBA. But when the Warrior Super Teams were around, I think the ratings were peaking at the time. So to be honest with you, I think the Warriors were a good thing for the NBA as opposed to being a bad thing. Yep, yeah, I, I think I agree to that. Um, 
mainly because I think it needs to be a super team versus super mm-hmm. team to draw interest. Right at the time, um, with Toronto having um, uh, having their stars and then having the Warriors in there, it, it drew a lot more interest. And I think that international component with Canada and Toronto also plays into it. And having a team there for the first time where you have Lakers and he or historic franchises, but... You know, teams have been there recently in recent memory. And with the series being so lopsided, um, the Lakers being so dominant in, that, in those series, it's it turns viewers off. Yeah, so. speaking of the Warriors there, um, in some news, they've been doing some um, practicing in the, inside the bubble. And from what I hear, you know, the staff has been very careful with playing Clay Thompson out there in full scrimmage deal, in full scrimmage drills. You know, watching these playoffs and seeing how big men um, has been have been so effective. You know, do the Warriors do they have an athletic issue in terms of the roster and being able to compete next year, Jerry? Um, I don't think so. I think you have Curry back. You're going to have Clay. You have the mm-hmm. core three back, right? Um, Draymond's back and. It's just going to help um, that core three to come in there. And, yeah, if we could add a big man, that would be great. But the team doesn't need it. The team is really um, dependent on speed and dependent on having um, the supporting cast around them. I think we, without, um, you know, having, uh, I guess, a real fourth star, um, that, that kind of hurts us a little bit. But it frees up some cap space for us to be able to take – get deeper on the bench and gaining more players that can substitute in. And I, I'm kind of glad that Clay didn't play like for the Olympics and things like that. Right. Like the little wins where he can get more rested and, and I, I expect to see a sharper Warriors team next season. Yeah. You know, and you know, watching Tyler hero play with playing the playoffs with a heat, do you think Jordan Poole can be at anywhere near that level moving forward? No way. <laughs> I, I'm not too sold on Jordan Poole. Let's just put it this way. Um, I'll be very surprised if he does. And if he does, that's great. That's the exact right. role we need him in. But overall, he's been underperforming. And until he shows me that he can do that and be that Chris Hero role and be impressive like Chris Hero is so far, um, I'm not going to hold my breath on it. And I I just hope in the off season in this long layover period that he's working on his game a little bit more and getting in more physical shape and, and doing all the right things, right? I can count on that. If he does that, then, yeah, I think Chris Hero wouldn't – or, sorry, Tyler Chris Hero. Um, uh, Hero, Tyler Hero wouldn't be a, far, a far-fetched comparison. All right. Let's um, reverse back to uh, Major League Baseball. Um, here and the Giants, um, they concluded their regular season uh, by missing the expanded playoffs by a game um, here. And their priced uh, rookie, Joey Bart, came up, I believe it was maybe, what, 15 or so games into the season um, here. What do you think about what you saw from Joey Bart and how do you think he progressed this season as a rookie? I think overall, um, I'll speak broadly on the Giants and now hone in on Bart, but overall, I think the Giants have been impressive this season. They exceeded all expectation, like being one game away. You would never thought that in the beginning of the season. I thought they were going to completely miss out on the playoffs and not have a shot with the the roster they put together, but credit to Farhan. He 
um, did a great job in putting that roster together and credit to Kapler as well of improving throughout the season and making some big moves like um, um, uh, cutting Hunter Pence and cutting Sandoval when the time came and adding a few components to to make up for that, right? And building that starting roster that that I thought was pretty impressive this season. And and um, as far as Bart's progression goes, I think overall he got some exposure, but he was disappointing. He's not Buster Posey. Everyone expected him to come out here, game busters, be like Crawford and you know, hit a home run on his first at bat, but he just wasn't that guy. And if anything, he was probably a liability once he was on the field. Um, but in a throwaway season, it's probably good to have him that way, right? Have him get that exposure and be able to learn that. I don't think if we didn't play Joey Barr, we wouldn't know. We would still have that expectation that he was that guy. Now we kind of know that next season he probably needs more seasoning and hopefully we get – Buster Posey back and the team can make another run at it. Yeah. You know, just to add to that, to put things in perspective, you know, Joey Bart has only played 27 games above single a ball in the minor leagues. That's, you know, very little for a minor league catcher. And, you know, also the giants, when Bart came up, the giants were 15 and 13 while he was in the lineup. So that proves that, you know, he, he was making some impact, maybe not with his bat, but with his presence out there. So that's a, a positive that we can look at from, from Joey Bart. However, when you look at his numbers, he did hit 233 batting average with, without a home run. And then also his strikeout to walk ratio was 41 strikeouts to three walks throughout the whole season, which is brutal, very brutal for a for a hitter of that magnitude. The flip side there, this was only a 33-game sample this season in which in which Joey Barr played in. So he doesn't even qualify to be a rookie. So next year, he's going to be a, a rookie again. So what does that mean? Well, that means that we will have to wait and see. And I think it will be very beneficial for Joey Barr to have Buster Posey come back and kind of guide him, just as how Posey had that same influence with Benji Molina when Posey came up in 2010. So do you think it'll be the same situation where they bring Posey back, Posey starts yeah. for, you know, I don't know, 50 games and then we transition to bar. Or do you think it will be Posey for the whole season and then maybe in 2022 is where we see well, Bart? I believe this is Posey's last point. year in his contract. I believe so. So it's, I think they're yep. going to probably start off with Posey playing the majority, um, playing the majority of the time there. They may even start Joey Barton, the minors for a little bit depending if they even have a, a legitimate minor league system in place next year. Um, but I think they're going to probably lean on Posey a lot there and, and kind of see what happens moving forward. Do you think they'll add any more pieces from the minors to, to beef up the team a little bit? Um, is there any, I guess, any prospect prospects you feel like will get the nod or is Joey Barr our our best you guy know, I think point. he is our best prospect to, at this point here just because of the, the lack of minor league competition that just occurred 
this past season. So it's really tough for, you know, triple A, double A players to really compete at a high level when they're just playing simulated games within themselves with and with no fans. You know, I think for them to grow and improve, they're going to have to play against other teams from from the other minor league system as well. So I, it's in the, it's it's hard. It's hard for, you know, teams that are up and coming to improve just because they can't really develop their prospects properly. Yeah, it's been a weird year for that, for sure. I think um, I think that's the biggest impact out of all the sports is not having that minor league, you know, Cactus League type of um, development for these players. So I definitely feel for them. And hopefully, the I think every team is impacted by it, right? So in some ways, it's kind of an even thing. But if you're coming up as a prospect, you, you definitely feel the pinch of it. And yeah, heart, my heart's out to those yeah. players. <laughs> all right, let's... Um... Let's conclude our episode with some um, NFL picks for the weekend with with spread. All right. All right. So before we get into this, I just want to make a uh, disclaimer that our picks are here for entertainment purposes. If you decide to make any bets based on our picks, we are not Mm -hmm. responsible. (laughs) You are doing it on your own. Just want to throw that out there before we get started. And there's a lot of hot games this week. And I think uh, overall, my two favorite picks are the Panthers plus two and a half at the Falcons. I just think, um, you know, I'm, I just don't believe in the Falcons. I think they were going to blow in our game. And so far, Teddy Bridgewater has been looking good. Um, they're in a good spot here to, to upset. And um, my next pick is on the Raiders plus 13 against the Chiefs. The Raiders overall, I think, is an underrated team. I know the last few games haven't done well. Um, but plus 13 is like way too many points that they're getting. I, I would expect the, t- the game will be a lot closer than that. And those are my top two picks. Uh, Mike, what do you think? What are your, your picks and what are your games that I you like? like? Um, well, I think Indy, Indian, Indianapolis Colts at Cleveland Browns. Indy is favored by a game and a, or a point and a half. And I like actually the Browns to win that in cover. And that, that's going to be my upset of the week um, there. Another another pick, I think, here that you can lean on is uh, this Thursday night football, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The spread is, I think, uh, four and a half favorite at Chicago. I think Tampa Bay will win, but they will fail to cover the spread. Ooh, they'll fail to cover. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and that just because, you know, just from history with, with Thursday night football, it's a short week. There, and Chicago has a like a top ten um, type defense, and usually de- uh, good defenses um, are at a huge advantage on a short week um, like that, and they're home as well. So I think Brady and their offensive um, their offensive crew will have a challenge um, tomorrow, or is it today? I think it's today, right? Today, yep. Today, tonight, uh, yep. I think overall uh, games to avoid on my side will be the Jets versus Cardinals and Rams versus mm-hmm. Washington, mainly because the QBs are out or new QBs are in. Um, when that happens, it's very unpredictable. Right? Like you don't know what's going to happen. Upsets are going to happen is, is what what um, what you'll see, but then you'll know which way it will go. <laughs> so I think those are the games for me to avoid. I think overall the – the favorites have been great the last few weeks, and this week I anticipate to be more underdogs and upsetting. So, 
just be careful where you bet out there because that's going to be something to look out for. Okay, well, very good. Was there anything else that uh, you wanted to add to our discussion today, Jerry? I know we covered quite a lot. Yeah. No, that's been great. It's been fun. <laughs> okay, well, uh, this has been episode one of the MJ Sportscast. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and most of the podcast platforms out there. For Jerry Yang, I'm Mike Tang. This is the MJ Sportscast Show, and we'll see you next week. Take care.